got a hairball or something. I don't know what just happened there. Welcome back to another episode of Be Here for a While. Today's episode of Be Here for a While is brought to you by BetterHelp, Best Fiends, and ZipRecruiter. Great things. Therapy, we all need it. Best Fiends, crushing that game lately. I'm getting a little... No, I'm not too into it. It is a great distraction, okay? And ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I'll tell you about them. Discount codes to follow or just, you know, a tip on how to live your best life. Uh, I'm living my best life right now because mama got a haircut. And, you know, I always think, well, I went and got my highlights done because, thank the Lord, uh, salons are now... Uh, reopened. I think they only been open for like three weeks. Um, so I drove up to LA just to get my hair dyed by my lovely Michelina at 90210 Salon. You should check her out. She's amazing. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, I think I need a trim too. And uh, she politely, after I said, well, should I, should I go like a little bit shorter or, you know, or maybe maybe I should do something fun. Maybe I should do like a you know like like a like a long bob or something. You know, and she politely you know held up my hair and said, "Well, you know, te- technically like the the five inches keeping the length. Um, it's really just like a few strands of hair." I was like, "Oh, you mean the Three Musketeers?" Yeah, I kind of noticed that. I just have, but it happens every time. Like my hair, yeah, sure it's long, but it's being held on by like just. Just like a little, little stringy, spindly little pieces of hair. And I'm like, God, I have such long hair. It's luxurious. Then when it's not curled, it's like, what's going on there? What's, uh, are you, are you like sprouting your f- first chest hair? It's like just a sad little thing going on at the end. So, um, she politely said, you know, it really isn't doing much for you anyways. And so we chopped that shit right off. I got a trendy lob a long bob, and I'm feeling like, I'm feeling like, uh, weightless, I'm feeling like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders, I got a new look, I'm edgy, I'm gonna join a band, that's not true, but the long bob does remind me, I was just thinking as I said long bob, it reminds me of when I went years ago, I was on a dating app called The League, and I matched with this doctor, so, you know, I'm thinking maybe I won't have to have seven jobs if it works out with him, you know what I mean, and, uh, all his photos, short, you know, just normal dude haircut. Great. Shows up to the date. He's got a, a shoulder length blowout. When I say it actually, it looked like he had just gotten a fresh blowout. I mean, his hair was so silky smooth, and, but with body and, and shine, it was, I mean, frankly, I was jealous. But I, I'm not into men with long hair. Uh, specifically, like I can, I can get, I can go with like you know, like Sheena, uh, Sheena Shea's boyfriend uh, from Vanderpump. He's like that, like uh, shoot, he looks like that Jason Momoa type, you know, like big dude with like that kind of long hair. That's that's cool. That's a look. I like that. But if this guy has better hair than me, and it's been, I mean, he literally went to Dry Bar right before that date. I swear to God, I wanted to sniff it, but it was our first time, and I was like, I know that smell. Um, but. Uh, so, you know, I meet him outside the restaurant, and I was like, ha, ha, woo. Got to tell someone about that, buddy. I did not say it like that, but I was like, oh, you have long hair. He's like, yeah, I've been growing up for a while. I was like, clearly, did you not want to update the photos on your profile? 
because that's really something you should let someone know about. You know, like if I had shaved my head, for example, maybe let someone know beforehand. If I look completely different than every other photo on the dating app, let someone know. Additionally, he was a delicate fella. Um, I was way more big boned than him. Um, my softball mitt hands were like twice the size of his. So needless to say, it wasn't just the hair. Uh, nice guy. Great dinner. Couldn't get past the, his beautiful Farrah Fawcett do. I just couldn't get past it. I mean, I aspire to have hair that gray, and that's kind of what I was going for with this haircut. We'll see. Maybe I could contact him and just ask for tips. Like, what shampoo do you use? Do you do, you do a mousse before you blow dry? Are you using a round brush, sir? Anyways, I digress. Really excited about my hair, though. That's all. But I'm more excited about my podcast today, and I uh, forgot to ask how you guys are doing. I know you can't respond, but just know that I care, and if you want to message me how you're doing, feel free. DM me on Instagram at Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L-N-O-B-R-I-E-N. Reads like Rachel Nobrian. It's not, though. N is my middle initial. It's Nicole. Um, yeah, I'm super excited about my guests today. And uh, I guess I'm not excited about the story that we're going to tell because it's tragic and it makes me really angry. Um, but I partnered with the lovely ladies from Those Murder Girls podcast, a new true crime podcast that I'm telling you guys you got to check out. I have Raina and Marie joining me, and we are going to cover a case that is, I wouldn't say near and dear to my heart in the sense of like, I, I don't know this family, but uh, I explain why it's important to me in uh, at the beginning of the episode. But it is a uh, the case of a missing woman in the La Quinta area where I am currently living. Um, it has now been classified as a homicide, but it's just, it's such a crazy story and there's a lot of money involved and uh, her sweet family, you know, they're, they're uh, not the ones with the money and they're just trying to get justice for their beautiful daughter, Rebecca. And so I just wanted to get the word out more and keep her her story alive. She was a beautiful soul, Um Pretty much, like, I think she's exactly my age, or was when she went missing. Um, and she's from Oregon, but uh, was living in the uh, Palm Springs you know, desert area here. And uh, I think her story is really important. And, uh, yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy uh, to the best of your ability when it's uh, kind of a tragic case. But, uh, yeah, without further ado, please give it up for Raina and Marie from Those Murder Girls podcast. And I just want to quickly state that um, all of the theories um, we are going to discuss and I'm going to discuss, um, it's just based on my personal opinion. Uh, no one has been charged in this case. That uh, you know, There are facts of the case, but m- our theories are just our personal opinion. Um, all involved could be innocent. It's just our theories. And uh, the girls also state that later in the podcast as well. So, uh, thank you guys so much for doing this. Uh, Okay, so I discovered your podcast because a friend of mine told me, or she forwarded me something on Instagram that was about the Idlewild missing people. Uh And I had assumed maybe you'd done done an episode on it, but I think you just posted on Instagram. But then I started listening to your podcast through that because I was like, oh, cool, new true crime podcast. I love, like... (laughs) Obviously, a dual female 
podcast hostess team. And um, I, but, but, but before I realized you had not done an episode, I reached out to you guys like immediately like, oh my God, because I was just in Idlewild, like right when that came out. And I had a very eerie experience there. And I was like, well, maybe we should cover this. And so I reached out to you guys. And then we ultimately decided that there wasn't enough info, right? Like, mm-hmm. right. and I, yeah, I agreed. And it was too new. So then I pitched to you guys this idea that we're going to do today of something that is happening in the town that I live in. And it just feels, I felt really compelled to tell this story or cover it so much so that I reached out to the victim's mother um, right. on, on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, and, and you guys were like jumped on this right away and I was really excited about that. But uh, first of all, introduce yourselves and tell my listeners like what your podcast is about and yeah. So we have a weekly true crime podcast that we air every Friday and um, usually lesser known cases, but we have done some that are close to, you know, close to our hearts. So as an example, we just did um, Shanda Scherer and that book on her was the first thing that got me into true crime. I went on to get my bachelor's in criminal justice and that just, yeah. So that just like totally like lit a fire in me. And I swear I was like 11 and I read that book now. It's called Cruel Sacrifice. It is the worst fucking book like ever. I don't know why my mom bought it for me. Like, Seriously, you, I'm like, why are you, you owe it to her now? Daughter, I know. Find your picture yeah. book. I think everyone <laughs> kind of finds their own niche when it comes to true crime. And the Karen Knott story that we covered last one, that was like near and dear to my heart. And literally, her and I would rather stay in on a Friday night and drink some wine and watch true crime Absolutely. on Netflix. So I, I was talking to her one day. 100%. Like, Let's do this. Let's start a podcast and turn our passion for true crime into something. And we're just so thrilled everyone like is loving it and it's been so fun for us it's we've, been we've had so a, fun the, like best time I know it. it's totally something I've been wanting to do for years too so she calls me one day like randomly after work and she's like what are you doing and I'm like nothing she's like let's start a podcast I'm like okay she's like what yeah and like <laughs> literally on my way and literally it started like at that moment we I have love that. You got to rip the bandit off and just do it. Totally. Like, don't think about it for a year and plot it. Just do it. And if your first few That's episodes good. suck, cool. Delete them. I know. Or That's just too. We're like, oh, when we go back and listen like a year from now, we're gonna be like, what was that first episode? I know. <laughs> but it's been it's just been so much fun, and we're happy, I love we're that. happy to be here with you today. Thank you. Wait, did you guys start it? Was it like a quarantine podcast, or did it? Because this is fairly new, right? Your podcast? It is. It actually came oh, to mind yeah. like May-ish. And oh, yeah. Our first episode, yeah. Our first episode launched July 25th. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I don't no, know. It's a it bit of a quarantine because I feel like a lot of people are kind of starting podcasts during quarantine because it's like, well, what the hell else am I going to do? Seriously. Yeah. And everybody, you got the time because this is not easy. Yeah. <laughs> we both have like a passion for it. I think it just took for one of us to just be like, Let's just do it. And then yeah. being in quarantine, we've had more time to just pull and push everything into it. And so yeah, yeah it kind of did air during quarantine, but it's been something that we've both wanted to do for, for a minute. <laughs> I love that. Wait, going back to the case that I don't know if I listened to that episode. That was not the one that happened in Escondido, was it? The one? No. Oh, okay. So this one was in um, the Karen Knott one from last week. 
Uh, no, no, the one she, the one that her mom bought her the book off. Yeah, so that was Illinois. Yes, Illinois. Yeah. What? So, you just, so, wait, now I'm really curious. Can you just briefly tell? Oh I my gosh! So this girl in middle school, she was 12 years old, starts a new school. Is like a straight A student. She's an athlete. She is just like the perfect, you know, student and daughter. And she just gets mixed up with kind of like the wrong crowd. She starts dating a girl, which she'd never shown interest in girls before. And that particular girl had an insane on and again, off again girlfriend who very shortly after they started dating, they plot to kill her. So it's, yeah, four girls take her out onto the side of a road back in the woods and torture her for eight to nine hours she is alive and this girl fought for her life like literally they could not yeah their they could not execute their plan like she went through literally hell and back multiple times and it is just I have the chills talking about it it is the saddest story and oh it's so scary when like kids those are kids those aren't even they're like kids she was 12 they're like yeah, yeah. They're kids can do something like that it's so weird where do you I guys know. stand on sorry I'm we're going off on a tangent before we get in the case but where do you stand on like a kid that age commits a crime like that do you think they're you, set for the rest of their life or do you think they are redeemable? Do you think it is a precursor to like, oh, this person is going to be a nightmare for forever? Or so do you think like... about these. We, we covered a case recently on a, a boy named Nate from Texas and he actually shot his sister and killed her when he was um, underage. He only will end up serving 10 years. He'll be released within two years. So it's like, yeah, can the child be rehabilitated and be able to go on and have a successful adult life? Mm-hmm. I think for me, I think it varies on the person. Person. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Nate literally yeah. walked into a walked into a sister shot her four times. and shot her for no apparent yes. reason. Where these girls, which I am not giving any excuses to the actions that took place that day, but all of these girls came from like the most fucked up, like childhood oh, and it's crazy out. but it's like how that there were four girls at that school that were so down to like kill someone like there's something wrong and do I think that they could be rehabilitated I, I don't personally think so I don't know yeah if you're then, e- if you're that easily swayed it reminds me of like and they weren't they're not this these people aren't teens obviously um that's my boyfriend um <laughs> But one, um, one case I'm going to cover for the season two of Seven Deadly Sinners is um, this pastor, Matt Baker, who murdered his wife. And he, he had a mistress, and she went along with, every, like, she lies in court. And I'm like, what kind of person is she, though? Like, she wasn't there for the murder, but, like, for yeah. knowing, like, he told her he was planning to kill his wife because he wanted to be with her. He you know, she knew every step of the way. And I think she even knew more than uh, that, you know, came out publicly, but like, so who are you? What kind of person are you? Like, like you're not a victim. First of all, she was an adult, but like, even as like a kid, like I, you're, uh, you're a victim in the sense of uh, a kid. I think if you have like a really messed up childhood and your brain's already all messed and that I feel horrible for that. But like, 
that there was that many girls willing to participate? Willing. Like, yes. what personality type is that? They were all gung ho to do it. And all of them. Just like I don't think that they can be rehabilitated. Unfortunately, they served out what little sentences they got, and they are all free. I think there is something within the system too that doesn't add up because then you have these kids that are you know, in the wrong place at the wrong time, but we're going to go ahead and give you life, but then 10 years. And so it's just like, I, that part of the justice system, every time I can come across a case, I'll text her and I'll be like, okay, like, so you're getting out in a few (laughs) years, but you robbed a grocery store and somebody, you know, unfortunately was shot. We're going to put you away for life though. It's just, there's, I don't know. To me, I I completely agree. Well, it's also like the, like three strike rule uh, oftentimes, but it's oftentimes like, oh, well, I mean, it does happen too white people, but oftentimes it is a minority uh, that robs a grocery store and something like that happens, or even just robs $20 from a grocery store. And then their yeah. second strike is something else fairly, you know, minor. And then yeah, their third right. strike, and then it's like, oh, now you're, you have life in prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's these girls that served out, what, less than 20 years, years. 20 years, yeah. and they're free. And, and I know like, they have a lot of programs for these kids that are younger. Nate's case took place in Texas or whatnot. I just think that's like just a prime example. I mean, they're going to rehabilitate him. He's going to get out at 25. His sister died at 19. She doesn't have the rest of her life. I don't, oh, wow. I don't think it's right. Wait, I don't no. think you guys said the name of your podcast and how to find it. Say that real quick before oh, we go into We're so. your murder girls. <laughs> so it's Bill's Murder Girls podcast. And we're on all social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We're starting up our TikTok and YouTube, actually. Yes. So it's there, but I think our first post will happen actually this week. Oh, so by the time this airs, yeah. You can okay, find Apple, Stitcher, everywhere for our weekly podcast. We just launched our new segment called Bloody Birthdays. Ooh, tell me about us. that. So we go over um, a serial killer on their birthday. It's a quick either five to seven minute just uh, series about their life and the horrible crimes they committed. And then we drop it on their birthday. And anyone that shares a birthday with them, we ask them to comment so we can, you know, give them a shout out. But it's been pretty fun to create. I love that. That's such a good idea. It's so fun. Yeah. And those (laughs) are exclusive to social media. Just so like when you're scrolling on your lunch break. Yeah. Super easy to listen to. They're hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay, so should we get into something less hilarious, this horrible Yes, <laughs> let's do it. Okay, so I'm going to briefly just tell my listeners um, uh, just a quick rundown sort of of what happened the day that Rebecca Modral went missing. And then we're going to weigh in on all the craziness of the, all the nitty gritty craziness of this case. So, okay. Okay, so... Um, Rebecca Modral, and we'll, I'll, we'll go into her personality and who she was more later because she deserves, you know, an absolute tribute and, and kindness. Of, she uh, does. Yeah. One that, that family can't take away, bitches. Exactly. We're not going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't care that you have money, the Coker family. <laughs> the reason why this case hit home to me so much is not only was uh, Rebecca Modral uh, living in the desert area where I'm living now and where my parents have had a uh, vacation home for years um she's also from Oregon which is where I am from originally so when I yeah so when I heard her story on the vanished podcast great podcast shout out to them amazing Um, Marissa you are awesome so good is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals I mean I can only imagine how all of us are feeling right now in this crazy time and I would say overall 
I've felt mostly okay, but I don't know. Last week, I was really getting cabin fever and just feeling like, will 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 the world go back to a, a normal that we knew before? And I was feeling just kind of like this heavy feeling in my chest. And so I got right on and I messaged my therapist at Better Help. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. And it's so easy to access your therapist. Like, I knew right in that moment, I'm just going to message my therapist and make an appointment right now. Let's just get this handled. Because why, why go on feeling, you know, sad or anxious? You know, we need someone to talk to. And there's a, a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide, which is amazing. And you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor, which is what I did. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, too, and financial aid is available. I love that. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. And you can visit their website and, and read the testimonials of people posting daily about how much BetterHelp has changed their life. So just visit betterhelp.com slash be here. That's better, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. And join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So just go to betterhelp.com slash be here and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash be here for 10% off your first month. Let's take care of ourselves. So, so she's from, so not only is she, uh, you know, uh, was living in the desert, she, she's from uh, Portland, Oregon. And Rebecca Modral, so she was a beautiful, tall, young woman who had been described by her family and friends as full of life, like a larger than life personality. And you always took notice of her when she entered a room. And now I do want to say, though, that, um, and we'll go more in depth on her life later, that her family does not paint a false or overly rosy picture of Rebecca. I really appreciated that about them Mm -hmm. in the Vanished podcast, in me speaking to her mom, in in their Facebook group, everything about it. It's They acknowledge who she was and and what led her to, to live the lifestyle that she lived, but it's... You, it doesn't take away from the fact that she was a beautiful young. She was only 33 when she went missing. She was a beautiful young woman. She had a daughter that she loved. She had family. She was consistently in contact with her family. So just so you know, it's not like one of those things where it's just like everyone's like, she came in and lit up a room and you like hear later that she was like an absolute monster or something. It's like, no, she, she was a beautiful, wonderful girl. She had her problems and her family talks about them, but she was still a beautiful, wonderful young woman. So human, yeah, yeah. So, um, so here's the details, I guess, quickly of her disappearance, and then we'll go into like where this whole crazy case goes. So, Rebecca, um, she uh, she was a sex worker, um, and 
I want to talk with you guys about how she got into sex work. I do believe it was a very predatory thing that happened to her when she was very young. Mm-hmm. But just for the for the version of this, uh, just quick description for my listeners. So she was a sex worker living in um, the Palm Springs, uh, La Quinta area uh, of California, which would seem actually like the safest way to do sex work. I'd be like, oh yeah, they're old men. Everyone's old here. You're either, they say you're, you're either gay or you're gray here. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, what is that guy going to do? He's old. Yeah. <laughs> like, gated community? Yeah, they're all rich. Yeah. Easy breezy. Yeah. Like my parents' house is in a gated community. Like I can't get away with anything. The neighbors, like I go out to barbecue and the neighbors barbecuing at the same time. I'm like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> Like there's you, you would think no one could get away with anything, but I think in this case, the level of wealth was so much so though that you could, if, if that makes sense. Like, uh, my parents are actually blue collar middle class. They just, you know, made their money in an area where homes are cheaper. So they bought a vacation home, you know, they, they were able to save money to buy like very middle class though. The family we're going to be talking about, they're... I mean, money. incredibly wealthy. So yeah, it's a different thing. I'm so maybe, maybe their neighbors aren't so closely packed that like, there's a little bit more secretive. Yeah. So anyway, so Rebecca, she, um, she was a sex worker and she went to go see one of her clients, but he was not really a client. I would say, right. Would you guys say he was like, Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. They had a deep relationship. Yeah, they were like in a full on totally. relationship. And it yeah. seemed like that it was that very quickly after he met her through the agency. They just totally hit it off. He fell in love. You know, she was digging it. And it wasn't and just a client that she would see from time to time. I mean, they had been together for almost yeah. a decade. Uh, no, I think longer. I think it was like 13 okay. years. 13 I think years. It was, yeah. yeah, this is a full blown. Yeah, it's a full blown thing. So she went to go see him. Um, which was uh, the, the odd occurrence about that day though, is that normally he would go to see her in a house that he had purchased for her basically, or, you know, for him to do whatever he wanted to do on the side. But yeah, in, in all accounts, yeah, it's, he basically purchased it for her. So it was, she did think it was odd that he invited her to the home that was also his wife. So now we've just disclosed that he has a wife. Um, that's not really that shocking because all these people are normally creeps with wives and whatever. <laughs> but uh, so she did think it was a little bit odd. And this is all from accounts from her mom and her aunt that are on the Vanished podcast. Um, uh, but she was like, okay, I guess I'll go over there. But she didn't plan to stay long. She had told her aunt and her mom, all the family that she was going to go over there, have dinner. He wanted to cook her dinner because his wife was out of town. But she planned to leave by a certain point to meet up with her friend, Will, who was, I think, technically kind of her boyfriend slash protector. Mm-hmm. So this guy, Will, um, he, he basically, when she would go see clients, he was there to check on her and be like, hey, like he would text her and be like, hey, are you okay? If not, like I'll come in and, and whatever. But they, but they think they were boyfriend and girlfriend and, you know, or, or whatever it was. Who cares? Um, so Will 
went to check on her. He texted her the day that she went over to uh, Joe Coker's house. And uh, he sent a text and it was read, not not responded to though. So then he gets a little bit worried. Now, Rebecca had driven there. We're going to go into more detail, but she had driven there in a rented truck and was caught on security camera going into the gated community in a truck driving in. And then that truck was seen leaving the gated community at a certain point with two people driving that were not her. And she was never seen again. And it was originally a missing person case, but we're going to go into what has transpired. So this happened February of 2019. This is a very, very recent, very recent case. So let's talk about it now, guys. All right. So she was last heard from February 5th when she went over to Joe's palatious gated mansion Mm -hmm. with his wife, which he was out of town. Very tackily decorated, we've all agreed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's music notes in the carpet. Like, what is he, Elvis Presley? Is he a musician? No, he owns an air conditioning company. That's what you do when you have money. <laughs> That's so true. It's like, what can I spend money on right now? <laughs> no. Music notes. Yeah. All that money you got from that heating and air company. I mean, can we get some nice uh, interior design? <laughs> What's going on? So I think Will, from reading the story, Will got yeah concerned when they were supposed to meet up after, and she never texted him back. So you know what I think is kind of weird is that when Will and Rebecca met up before she went over to Joe's house, when they catch her on surveillance is that it was about 2.30. No, it was about 2 o'clock, right? Mm-hmm. Well, she, she had told her aunt and her mom, or her aunt, that she was going over to Joe's to have dinner. He was going to cook her dinner. She thought it was kind of odd. They were going to talk about some agreement that they had um, regarding money because he was, he was and had been her primary source of income for all these years. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think she gets there at 2.30, I Which is a weird true. time for dinner, that's by the true. way. I've been thinking dinner? that this whole time. Like, no, like I don't maybe know. he needed to eat early, right? Maybe his yeah. He is like seventy something, I think. <laughs> but I'm like, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Did she catch him like off guard? Was there somebody there? Like, that's what's kind of tripping me out because it's two thirty. You were mm-hmm. gonna go for dinner. You know what I mean? Like, obviously yeah. that was her plan because she had told Will. But it was supposed to be like a later that evening type of thing. I don't know. That just kind of. It is. It is weird. That's thrown me off the whole time where she was like, well, she was supposed to leave. And she told her aunt and her mom that she, uh, she was not planning to spend the night. She just wanted to go over there, Mm -hmm. have dinner with him, present him with this agreement or this conversation that we'll talk more about in a little bit. And she was just supposed to leave meet back up with Will and that never happened, but that is such a weird and odd early time. Totally. A dinner. So before we, cause I, I almost just uh, buried the lead and said like uh, what does happen later before we get into all that, let's just quickly describe who she was, who she was as a kid. How did she get into this? How did her, what is her relationship with Joe? Like how, how serious was it? So uh, 
I know you guys know this. Uh, so she was a young girl growing up in Portland, Oregon. She was adopted by her, her mother and her aunt, kind of, because her aunt had originally fostered her uh, actual biological mom, mm-hmm. who got pregnant as a teenager and um, kind of in a weird way had a similar trajectory in life, right? Like she... Totally. Yeah, they even found her in the same motel that they had picked her mother up in because and it's not that she was just some like horrible kid it was a predatory human trafficking kind of thing sex trafficking kind of thing where literally the the authorities came to her adoptive mom when she was in junior high and Mm -hmm. said do you know that there's literally like pimps and predators hanging out outside of their school trying to lure these girls that's just so crazy to me. Like, what did they see? Obviously, they seen something in Rebecca and these guys for them to go back to her mom directly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They knew. Yeah. And I, well, and, and, and sh- go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I guess it was something that was happening, like, all over the area because they said that they would, like, hang out at malls trying to, like, seek these girls that were maybe a little bit more vulnerable than others who would give these guys, these traffickers, the time of day. You know, they wanted these girls to respond to them and then they target them. And people said, like, Rebecca would talk to them when the guys were at the school hanging out on the other side of the fence. Like, that's just who she was, which is eerie because that's so much like her mom. And although Rebecca knew her mom, she didn't know her as her mother, but yet was following in the exact same footsteps as her mom. Yeah, I found that super eerie too, where like she didn't know that that was kind of ingrained in her. I don't, I don't even yeah. know how that's actually ingrained in you that like you follow the same path, but I think it also has to do with these predators, like, and her just being vulnerable in the way, I guess, that the way her mom and aunt describe on the podcast is like she was the type that, yeah, like you said, given the time of the day, like if a guy started talking to her at the mall, she wasn't like stranger danger. She was like, oh, hey, like let's keep talking. Yeah. Totally. Like she just didn't have that, like, fear. Guard. Yeah. yeah. She and doesn't so, have what I have where I'm like, <laughs> Exactly. I'm afraid of everyone. Everyone's scary. I don't take, I don't talk to anybody. And she was, um, I remember, I mean, yeah, she was beautiful. Her blonde hair. She, looking at all the photos online, she's just, she is just a stunning girl. And, you know, those guys, those predators. They take know, notice. They Mm-hmm. And they take notice of how, like, friendly she was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very outgoing, which can be misconstrued. Definitely, I mean, I'm kind of an outgoing, I'm a very outgoing person or whatever, but you definitely have to have your guard up to not, you know, have that boundary or that get misconstrued. And unfortunately, she, just, she fell into it at such, such a young age, too. Do you feel that she was naive, maybe? Because when you're saying that, like, you're an outgoing person, I'm looking at you being like, yeah, but you also look like you'd fuck some shit up. Like, you just, <laughs> I don't necessarily see you as like. I think that Rebecca was. I think that Rebecca. I mean, obviously, personally, I don't know her, but I think that she was a little naive, and I think that they took advantage of that mm-hmm. because people can see that, people can smell that out, and I mm-hmm. definitely think they pegged her as being naive, and instead of you know helping her, they just took advantage of her. Yeah, and she met Joe at a very young age. She was only 20. twenty. That yeah, bothers me. When she met him, I was when I read that, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" That makes him gross. I'm sorry. I don't care if I'm like he's <laughs> you know a pillar in the community or even no, he's sick. He, that he's he, sick. twenty years old. That's no. That's 
God, that's so close to even my niece's age. I mean, my niece and he is took age, age yeah, five, five years from my niece's age. Like, and this yes. guy is, this guy's an old man. When you look at yeah, a photo of them together. When he passed away. Yeah. I actually couldn't find how old he was. Do you, how old was he? Do you know? He was born in 42. Do the math. Oh, wow. So he's, uh, my parents, my parents are born in 58. They're 60. 50, 60, 70. So he okay. was 70, uh, 78. He's old. Oh, well, regardless. This isn't a mental math. Oh, this is freaking hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, I thought it was interesting that like Joe had like no problem you know I mean he went and visited her family in Oregon they went on vacations together like mm-hmm. Joe had no problem you know parading it around where it's like dude come on Joe have some self-respect I mean all of the fact that you're married but yeah she met him when she was 20 and they you know obviously I'm sure started as a client but she took him home to Oregon she took him back home to meet everybody they were in a full-on relationship okay so it's 1 a.m. You're in bed. Covers pulled over your head to trap your phone's light so your partner can snooze away. Uh, Boy, does that describe me. Or sometimes it's like at 5 a.m. when I wake up super early and I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? Well, that's when I play best fiends. You know, it is the most fun, casual mobile puzzle game I have ever played. I am getting so obsessed with just trying to beat each level, and I even... I refuse to, you can, okay, listen, you can do these upgrades so you can um, get extra turns and chances and whatever, but I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to power through and I'm going to have the satisfaction of beating this level on my own. It's just so fun. There's these cute characters and it's, it's a, I, I don't know how to just sit and not do anything. Like even when I'm watching TV, I'm probably playing Best Fiends or doing something else. Um, but I love that it's a, it's a engaging puzzle but it's it's not so difficult that you're just like you know completely enthralled with it it's just fun and it's a great way to exercise your brain and just have fun I'm at like 90 something levels I want to get into triple digits soon Um, it's just really really fun and you can compare how you're doing with your friends you can connect through the app it's so fun so best fiends is the can't put it down mobile puzzle game with over 100 million downloads and counting see everyone loves it it's free to download and has literally millions of five-star reviews on the apple app store and google play and more levels and events and challenges are added all the time so play away there's always one more level Seriously, once you download Best Fiends, boredom won't stand a chance. When Best Fiends says the fun never ends, that's not an exaggeration. There are 5,000 levels and counting. So if you're worried you'd get to level 3,247 and run out of fun, don't be. There's always another update, whether it's more levels or fun changes to the game based on fan feedback. Don't blame us. Don't blame me if you get kind of obsessed. It's a fun way to pass the time. So download Best Fiends. Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, best fiends. So yeah, so they met through the escort agency that then was busted, but then they continued very quickly afterwards uh, to the point where you guys had said like he was her primary source of income. Like he gave her a set amount each month. He gave her money when they met up. Mm -hmm. He, He got her her car which does explain why she was driving a rental truck that day because this Mercedes that he had gotten her, uh, I think had broken down. And then she was supposed to go over there and talk to him about a financial arrangement with leasing her another car. 
But also because they had been, you know, dating for 13 years, she discovered there was this California law, right? Yes, the California which was that you what common law common law law yeah (laughs) where a mistress is entitled I never knew about this until this this case your mistress can be entitled to part of your estate Mm -hmm. after like seven or ten years yeah I think it's I thought it was ten yeah which is and she knew and she was telling her family like she knew that she was getting a little bit older and maybe wasn't feeling as secure, I guess. I mean, I look at her and think she's beautiful. Not that I think she has to keep doing what she's doing, but I think she was trying to set herself up, you know, to get out of the lifestyle and, you know, to still be able to live. And Joe had been providing her with so much money over the years and they had a written agreement. Like, and she had the child. So yeah. Said, I got to provide for the child. Yeah. And- you know, I mean, think, think about it. Like, what? I mean, it would be very difficult to completely reinvent yourself in terms of like. I mean, okay, I went to college. I've never used my college degree uh, in terms of like I just went on an entertainment industry career path. If that all ended today, I'm not sure what I could really do for work because I have no work history that's not entertainment industry stuff. Yeah. For the most part, I mean, besides like assistant jobs and whatever, but like, I don't really have any work history. Now, imagine someone like her who probably doesn't even have a college degree. Not that I think they matter. Again, I never used it. Um, <laughs> yeah, same. But what do you, yeah, what do you, what, what do you like, do? It's not like her work experience can transfer over to anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, that's the truth. And, and you start freaking out, too. I mean, to completely, like you said, reinvent yourself at that age, not that 33 was an older age or whatever. But, yeah, start to feel the pressure a little bit. And if Joe's been yeah. your source of income for the past 13 years, what, what, really what are you going to do? Yeah. And he also, additionally, kept promising her yes. that, well, is promising the right word? Because do you guys want to describe what he... Bullshitting her. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to let you guys describe um, what he would tell people about his wife and how... Oh, yeah. That she was dying. All this... She's going to be gone soon. Don't worry. I'm going to take care of you, Rebecca. Like, really, Joe, to lie about your wife. She's got cancer. Yeah. Yeah, or early onset demand, like something like that. Like... That that makes you a shitty person that you're even, not only are you cheating on your wife, you're also going to tell the people that you're cheating on her with. And I say people because there were many women he was with. Yeah, there was many women and he told a story to all of them. And he would tell Rebecca that when his wife passes, he was going to marry her. Again, just stringing her along and being just a shitty person. And like Mm -hmm. you had said, like, Joe was like a pillar. Like, people knew him in this community. He owned that killer business that he was so successful from. So it's like, Joe, did Who had done air conditioning work on this house, by the way. When I brought it into my mom, he was like, oh, we used to use them. I was like... So, like, to me, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, Joe, you don't think that, like, maybe, I don't know, your wife's going to find out that you run around town telling people that she's dying of dementia and cancer? Like, come on, dude. But maybe he knew it was, like, in, like, his, you know, seedier world. Yeah. (laughs) Those people weren't talking to. But but I'm, I'm certain, though, that these same 
sex workers, probably philandered with some colleagues or people he knew. Like it couldn't mm-hmm. be that that secretive. And I imagine that's, that that's a pretty small community that you guys are in also. Or mm-hmm. everybody seemed to know him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I yeah, it's not it's not a big it's not a big town. I mean it is a bunch of like it's like Palm Springs, Palm Desert, La Quinta. They all are sort of all in the same area, I guess, which makes it bigger. But not not really. Like I feel like if you, I, I've never lived here full time until now because of coronavirus. But if I did, I feel like pretty quickly I would know where this type of stuff was going down. For example, like living in LA for the past twelve years or whatever, like you know which hotel bars you see the girls at and the rich men yeah. picking up on the Beverly Wilshire, the, uh, the polo lounge, Beverly Hills hotel. Like everyone knows like, Oh, that's where this stuff goes down. Like, I'm pretty sure I'd be able to figure out here where this is all happening. And I could yeah. probably pinpoint the same people, you know, it's, it can't be that. And especially if like the escort agency went out of business, it has to then be, you know, a boots on the ground operation where like they have to be meeting them out in person and like, yeah, totally. Where are they going? Where are they going to go? Where yeah, they, they got to make their money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you guys think his wife knew anything about Rebecca or any of his cheating? I personally do. I personally think that she knew, um, you know, once again, Joe supported her her whole life too. So she's probably like, well, I don't want to bail. I don't want to reinvent myself because, you know, Joe's provided for me as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to to let this ride for however long she was gonna let it ride for her and I do I do think that she knew all about Rebecca mm-hmm. she had to have I yeah how, how would, would you not all these vacations that I thought too like how is he getting away with uh, what is he calling them sales trips like are you selling you selling <laughs> air conditioning to Oregon no it rains every single day there I'm from there it rains <laughs> They don't need your air conditioning. It's a really important work yeah. trip. Okay, I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? An air conditioning convention. <laughs> what are you saying, sir? I think, I think she knew, but I think she also was like, you know what? This man has supported me. We have all this money, X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to turn the cheek mm-hmm. for however long she felt she was going to turn her cheek. It's like a, it's like a Hillary Clinton situation. Yeah. She's like, I, I know what's going on. I signed up for this, but it seems to work out for me. So, yeah. Yeah. So do you guys, I'm going to let you, because I feel like I've been talking too much, uh, lead into the actual timeline of events that happened that day with the cell phone, with Will. Um, yeah. So, um, so last, she met up with Will at 2.05. That was in the Walgreens parking lot that Raina was talking about. Chatted for a couple minutes. She's like, I'm out of here. I'm going to go meet Joe at his house in the gated community, which we already stand. She thought that was super weird. She'd never even been there before. Mm-hmm. So she had texted Will at approximately 2.21. She said, thank you. Are you heading home? You're a hard worker. Remember that. Life will be sweet. Just stick to your heart. And this was actually the last text message and the last time that anybody heard from Rebecca. So that was at 221. So he said, you're a hard worker. She said that to Will. She said, you're a hard worker. Life will be sweet. Just stick to your heart. And that's what she told Will, her friend. That's heartbreaking. 
I know. So that was at 2.21. And at 2.25 is when she pulled through the gates at his house on Vanista Vista Bonita Trail in La Quinta. So she pulled in at 2.25. And then um, I guess, so she left at 4. Will had texted her at 4.51. And remember, she said she wasn't going to be there long. Hanging out like, for dinner. Yeah, for for the early dinner session. Which which also I guess does seem even more strange. Uh, not on her part, meaning I don't think that she was planning to do anything. Meaning, like I don't know that she's a part of her own, you know, demise. Uh, but like, it is a little strange that it was like, I'm going over here for this time and this short amount of time, I'm going to talk to him about this. Like it is all very weird. That, that part, even on her end is weird. Well, the family said that she always let Will know where she was going to go, how long she was going to be and that they would text. Mm -hmm. And so maybe because the line of work that she was in, she knew and she was always as precise as she could be with Will or they yeah. would text, you know what I mean? That's yeah. just what I thought of, like, right now. Because, obviously, he was known as her protector. Mm-hmm. And the family's like, this is no secret. They never for one minute, which we'll get into later, thought Will had anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. He was literally checking on her because she was always on it. She was always texting her family. She was mm-hmm. always texting him. And he didn't hear from her. They were supposed to meet, you know, after her visit with Joe, which was only supposed to be for a couple of hours and so from two to what was it 445 yeah 441 he doesn't hear from her and he's worried mm-hmm. and the mom said he would text her are you okay to what yeah. she would always text back and that's mm-hmm. what he texts her that day that message shows as delivered he doesn't Not hear right. from her he mm-hmm. texts her he texts her then like an hour later once again wasn't so that was at 540 so at 827, that's when Will reaches out to her. Okay, so obviously Will can't get a hold of Rebecca. So at 827, that's when he reaches out to her aunt. And he's like, I haven't heard from her. The last time he saw her was at two at Walgreens. Rebecca said she was only going to be a couple hours. So the aunt, she hadn't heard from Rebecca either. So I think at this point, like me, when I text somebody and they don't respond or even call the next morning, I don't really think much of it but Will mm-hmm. was like very adamant like that he had not heard from her and now he is kind of getting uncomfortable mm-hmm. and then yeah, also mm-hmm. on her on the flip side knows that Rebecca is a nido knows that she gets caught up doing whatever she's doing she as close as she was with Rebecca her mm-hmm. aunt yeah her aunt as close as her aunt was with Rebecca Joe was even closer yeah and, and the family understood that, like, no, like, Joe always knew where she was, you know. Yeah. So. Well, I'm going to throw something out there that I, so I've listened to the Vanish podcast now probably five or six times. Mm-hmm. And I didn't pick up on this part until maybe an hour before we record and I was re-listening. She said to her aunt or her mom, because I can't tell their voices apart in the podcast, that <laughs> she anticipated, like, something bad was going to happen. Do you think mm-hmm. that's maybe why, maybe she told Will something like that too? And like, that's why he was extra scared? Because it's, I mean, not, like, it's not like it's a new client. It's not like it's a new random dude. She's right. It's someone yeah. for 13 years. Totally. Why was he so worried 
I think that would make more sense as to him just being like, oh, okay, like she didn't respond, like I'll see her tomorrow. But for him to keep messaging and then reach out to Rebecca's family, like, like hey, I still haven't heard from her. It's not like it's midnight and she was supposed to meet you at seven in the afternoon. Yeah, like, yeah. It was only a few four hours. Four or five hours later. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just thought, I just thought of that when you guys were saying that, like he he was concerned really early on in it, like mm-hmm. maybe she kind of knew something could happen. I don't know. And if okay. she told her aunt and her mom, or you know, and or uh-huh. why would she have told Will? Yeah, yeah, they, totally. You know, they were super close. So that's when the aunt she texted Will back and she's like, oh, I haven't heard from her either. Once again, this is around eight thirty. She was known to be a night owl. So the aunt didn't really think of it. And then Will, he ended up going to bed at around 9.30. He's like, okay, maybe she'll just show up later on tonight. Like, I'm not going to, whatever. There's nothing I can mm-hmm. do at this time. Well, she never, obviously she never came home. So the next morning, Will then messages her again at around 9.30 and he said, good morning. Like, have you, oh, no, this is him texting the aunt. Sorry, he texted her at 9.30 and said, good morning. Have you heard from Rebecca yet? And the aunt said, no. They tried to call her. Well, now at this point, her phone was off. So mm-hmm. nobody's answering it. Her phone's off. So at this point, at 1040, Rebecca had two phones. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if one was like paid for maybe, but I... So one was her work phone and one was her personal her personal phone. Okay, so she had two phones. So um, Will had called her personal phone and somebody ended up answering it. Hiring can be super challenging for business owners. You know, they have so much else to think about these days. It's, you know, you got to enforce social distancing. You got to supply masks for your employees. And how do you find the time to get the best employees out there? How do you search them out and get matched with the best people for the job? Well, ZipRecruiter has the answer for that. So Monica Starks could relate. She's a real ZipRecruiter customer. She needed to hire for a pivotal role at her construction company, GS Group, but was having a tough time finding the right person, especially with so many candidates out there. So she switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash be here. I mean, that's how Monica found Lamont Jenkins. She said that ZipRecruiter sent Lamont's profile to her around five minutes after she posted her job because he was a great match for the role. How easy is that? Through ZipRecruiter, Monica's company has hired everyone from accountants to project managers to field scientists. But Monica is not the only employer who loves ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See for yourself how ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier. Try it now for free. That's right, free at ZipRecruiter.com slash be here. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash be here. Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R dot com slash be here. B-E-H-E-R-E. So one thirty, a man ended up calling Will's phone because Will had told whoever the battling person was on her personal phone, gave Will's number. He's like, dude, call me. He sent her, he sent, sent her a text. So it, it was the homeless man. And he said that he had Rebecca's phone and that he was going to sell it to him for $20. Yeah. Well, he paid it back. He would have to pay 20 bucks. Yeah. Honestly, like, I would have highballed it more if I was the homeless man. I'd be like, I'd say a hundred. <laughs> I mean, at the very least. 
just like spot him a 50, like knowing yeah. he wanted it? Or was yeah. it like 20 cash? <laughs> so like, gosh, what a way to lowball it, dude. Yeah. So he goes to Coachella to pick up the phone and he's the homeless man had said that he found it, looked at it as like it was tossed in the dirt and it was on a street in front of a business called Lighthouse Dispensary. And this was located in Coachella. Do you mind so, if I look that up real quick? Yeah. Because that actually I'll confuses me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me it. It's 84160 Avenue 48. Okay. I know exactly where Avenue 48 is. Uh, Coach, okay. Let me see. Because I found it a little bit. Hold on. This is right by the. It's pretty far. From his I thought it was like three miles, no? Or was it three miles from where the truck is? The made? reason why it's weird to me. Oh, it's by Fantasy Springs. I like that casino. Um, okay. The reason why that's weird to me is that her rental car was left at um, La Quinta Resort, which is less than a mile from my house and not far from Joe Coker's house. And her, well, so I had assumed her cell phone was also discarded around there. That's strange to me that the cell phone is at least 10 miles, but let's say, because it's not like... uh, it's all very spread out here. Let's say 20 minutes from. Really? Yeah, that's a little weird. I mean, I'm wondering, though, if they thought like, so La Quinta Resort, like there's a parking area that maybe they just thought that was a good place to dispose of a car, essentially, where like it would just sort of be amongst other cars. You just right. blend in. I don't know. So that's that was- weird, though, that the phone was then thrown. In the dirt. Really said- far, pretty far away. Compared yeah. to where his hat, like that's a, a, it's also a different town away. It's Indio Coachella. Wow, that's that's crazy. I actually didn't know that part. Yeah, he said he found it at three o'clock in the morning, and it was just discarded in the dirt. So he picked it up. Wow, took it with him. Mm-hmm. I'm a little blown away by that. That is very far, though. Wow, I'm I'm pretty blown blown away by that. Like that is. Gosh, and they, okay, keep going. Sorry. So Will agrees to pay him the $20 and goes to meet him to pick it up. And I think at this point, that's when her aunt was like, okay, now we're starting, now we're starting to get a little bit nervous here. Mm -hmm. We haven't heard from her. The homeless man has her phone. She never, ever let her phones like out of her sight. Now it's been almost 24 hours since she had been seen. Mm -hmm. So um, at that point in time, that's when they went to file the missing persons report Mm -hmm. on her. So, so this was like February 3rd, right? That she saw him. So February 3rd? No, this is actually February 6th now. The day that she's actually reported missing is February 6th that afternoon. That, it had been almost 24 hours. Now they have the phone. Okay. Nobody's heard from her. So they go down to the sheriff's station um, and they report her missing to the Rancho Mirage Police Department. So her family and everyone else involved will, they, uh, are under the assumption she's just missing at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also say there's no way she would have just left her. She was supposed to have dinner with her daughter the next day. She had cats. She had, it's not like 
someone that just was, leave. she would never just walk away from her life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, here's another weird thing then. If so, the place that the phone was found, you said is fairly far from actual Joe's house. Well, when they pinged her phone, her personal phone was last pinged at 800 Avenue in Coachella, which they're saying is three blocks away from where the homeless man found the phone. So it lasts. Okay, so her, her work phone was found by the homeless man and then her personal phone pinged? No, the personal phone is the one that the homeless man found, but when the cops tapped it to see where it had last it. like hit a tower or whatever, it was only three blocks from where it was found. So it's like how did her phone get all the way up? Wait, no, it's phone. also not like, here's what's also so weird to me. It's not like, I actually kind of like the tangent we're going off on, by the way, where we're like all trying to solve this together. Uh, that's not a, like a rural area. It's not where you dump a body, dump a phone. It's that, that's a, yeah, it's like right by the 10 freeway. It's almost, it's right by where the Fantasy Springs Casino is. It's, it's not like, there's plenty of desert and open land here to go and dump things. Like, yeah, like why would you go to a city street in front of a storefront? It's weird. Yeah. It's like, do they just discard it in like a panic? Like, I like, don't. Throw it out the window. Yeah, they found it in the dirt. So it's almost like someone just drove by and was like. Psh. It's so weird. Cause it's, it's literally in a, like in a resident, not residential commercial area. Like there, yeah. that's, that, that's I'm, very strange to me. I wonder if they checked. Well, and we wouldn't know, but I mean, there's got to be a ton of surveillance over there. I was wondering that too. Why, why is there no CCTV footage? Like, why is there no, I don't know. And the whole thing, when they see Rebecca pulling in to the gated community. So I'm kind of like going back to the gated community Mm -hmm. for a second. It's gated. Like Will couldn't even get in to see what was up with his friend. Who Whoever was there would have to like what check in, show proof, like, hey, Joe's expecting me. It's Rena and Lynn. So hundred percent. Let me just explain how much I know how that works. I can't I can't order postmates. And again, my community is let's go with 50% less rich than that one that he lived in. Like that's a fancy ass place that he lives. So they're going to patrol the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. If, if I wanted to go in, they, they wouldn't let me in. And I'm a cute, youngish girl. Like, and <laughs> I drive a, a car that's not like, I'm not like scaring everyone. Like, they wouldn't let me in. When yeah. someone comes here, I have to call if like I order Postmates or like uh, Instacart delivery. I have to call the, the gate and be like, hi, I have this person coming. Please let them in. Here's their name. I have to give a password. Like, it's very difficult yeah. to, to the community. And additionally, I also think that that gate person, I'm very curious about that, actually. Now that I think about it, like, I've gotten to know the people in and out of the, the, the gated community here because if you're, like, a resident, like my parents, I guess, technically are, they, they have, like, a transponder where they don't have to talk to the gate person. Like, the, the, the gate opens for them but I don't have that on my car. So I have to every single time say to the gate person, hi, I'm Rachel. And I have to like give them information to get let into even my own house. Right. Yeah. I've gotten to know those gate people enough that I feel like, well, I guess she had never been there before, but I feel like they would remember something. Maybe they saw something. something. But then again, she'd never been there before. So I guess I contradict that because she'd never. 
if they didn't question, they didn't question Joe for three weeks because they were focusing on Will yeah. having something to do with it. So maybe they see Rebecca one time, mm-hmm. you know, beautiful girl, but does she really stand out? She just had a rental truck that she mm-hmm. was in. So they just got it from, I don't remember like what place, but probably a nicer truck. It's not like it mm-hmm. stuck out, stood out like a sore thumb. You know what I mean? So maybe yeah. they would have questioned them sooner. They'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember her. But then, like, hundreds of cars go by, and they're like, oh, probably not. But if I don't know, but they have a security camera. The security camera. Exactly. And if they can make out on security footage her driving in and whoever left two people in the vehicle that obviously weren't her, then they could probably get a pretty good identity of who those Yeah. Were. And don't you think that rich community. of a community? His house, his house is, I think it's selling right now for, like, 2.7. I forget. Something, like, because I think people know what happened a little bit. Like, it's not selling for what it's. His house looks like a resort in itself like it's it's beautiful massive. it's beautiful on the outside yeah yeah so yeah exactly the inside <laughs> and a little sketchy a little tacky but you would think that the other homes in that they have security camera they have rings they have all that stuff like someone knows something someone knows something, knows something. and yeah the whole part that whole part doesn't make sense so of course so they follow the missing Rebecca's gone. She's nowhere to be found. Yeah. Like Seth said, I mean, weeks went by. Obviously, the last place that Rebecca was seen was entering Joe's condominium palace and never leaving again. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a detective, but I think the first place I would start would probably be at Joe's house, which yeah. she didn't. Or yeah. she was in the truck. Or she was in the truck. And oh, shit. I didn't think about that. Out. She'd be... Okay. It would have to be. Maybe we want to wait, but maybe we want to explain though that this was at this point. We I think we need to explain that the case was reclassified from missing person to homicide. To a homicide, yes. Yeah, because, and her body's never been found to this day. The wife was supposedly out of town. Now they don't clearly state where the wife was during this, but that she was gone. But it says it was confirmed. But. The son, there's also a son that's involved, and nobody mentions the son being out of town or in town right? Mm-hmm. that I have seen or heard. So the last place anybody knows is she was at Joe's house. She that enters place. as the one person driving the truck. The truck um, leaves with two people driving it. Right, with two people, no Rebecca, but we're going to wait three weeks to question Joe. And when they question him, he's like, what are no idea what you're talking about, huh? And uh, he never participated in any searches or showed any concern. Mm-hmm. She left. She left here at five. Oh, but he did say, "I love." He he said to the family, he "said I love that woman beyond like everything. I would never do anything to her." Really, Joe? Hmm. Yeah. You were the last Interesting, because you didn't participate in her search and rescue or whatever, like Will did. Oh. Like you didn't even reach out to them. When you had so, visited them in their hometown, it's not like you don't know them. Right. Like you went to you know Oregon them intimately, yes. Like, but you couldn't come home with them, have dinner with them, exactly. Yeah. So they haul Joe down. Finally, three weeks later, they're like, "Okay, Joe, we're going to bring you down to the station. We want to talk to you." They did not have enough to hold Joe there on any. I mean, really, all it is is suspicion or whatever. Like, what did you do mm-hmm. to her? Once again, he's the pillar in the community. He swears him down. He doesn't know anything. So they ended up, they cut him loose. They, they didn't have any grounds to hold him. He was only held for seven hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the DA's like, I've seen people get interrogated for days. 
that, that but that's yeah. crazy to me though like I assume maybe obviously it's probably like money and status is, is involved in this but like that cases don't get prosecuted or taken to trial whatever because there's just not enough evidence and then if they fail if they fail then they can't come back again like they have to like really build it up exactly And they can't necessarily just hold someone. They have to build so much evidence even to just hold someone for a little bit. Like, Mm -hmm. I get it. And I don't even know that at that point that, like, it was just money involved. Like, it's kind of like they didn't have enough info at that Mm -hmm. point. You know, they they didn't. They didn't. And as, like, as much time has gone by, like you said at the beginning, this is a fairly new case. I mean, yes, it has it has Not been two like years a year old. and a half, yeah. but you know what I mean? So, which for me holds out hope, like, we don't know what law enforcement's waiting for. It can literally be like that one last piece. You know what I mean? They can have their suspects, whoever they have in mind, persons of interest, whatever, they could have them like right there. And they're just waiting for that one last mm-hmm. piece. And just hope that's what's happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right? <laughs> so here's the crazy part that I think we all want to talk about was literally right and say they let Joe go free. He drives up to his house up in Lake Arrowhead and dies officially on March 2nd from an apparent suicide. Now, was it really suicide? Did Joe really go off himself? Like, what was he hiding? Like, and there's what no, are, what do we really think on how he committed suicide? His son found him also with the same name. He's like Joe Coker, the junior or whatever or the third they they have no but they they're like the third and the fourth like it's whatever um and the crazy part about that though is they told everyone in breeze air conditioning the company and i think he had a construction company too because i don't really know how you're that rich off of an air conditioning company but whatever (laughs) um i didn't yeah i didn't know there was that much money in ac but (laughs) you get a chance maybe start a company like that if you need some money um (laughs) Especially in the desert. Yeah, seriously. Well, actually, that's a great point. Uh, (laughs) But they told everyone in the company that Joe had a stroke and that's how he died. So the people that worked for him didn't find out that he either died of suicide or eventually murder because it's up in the air because his cause of death is undetermined and it's now part of a criminal investigation. They didn't find that out until... Rebecca's family unknowingly said to the media mm-hmm. that, that uh, you know, the PR or his family told the company he died of a stroke. So they just went, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, no, we were told by the police that he died of suicide or undetermined or whatever. And so that's how these people found out. But what's even more shady to me is I sent you guys a bunch of like photos from their Facebook, yeah. yes. the Breeze Air Conditioning Facebook there is nothing, nothing saying we miss our patriarch. We miss Joe Coke. We miss the guy. Like there is no, it is like he disappeared from the face of the earth. Like, and no one. Just like they probably wanted him to. I agree. And I there's think. no obituary. Who doesn't put an obituary? Even if it's just, you know, there's nothing. There's nothing. He literally. It's crazy. The wife didn't even release a statement like, oh, rest my husband's soul. Exactly. Like, even if it was suicide, you would be like, 
disappointed for sure. Like what a like, but you would be like, oh, he, uh, you know, you would maybe even probably say something like, oh, he didn't live the most perfect life, and clearly he was struggling with something, and like you would say something, you would yeah, say it, something. It would probably be a perfect opportunity to for the family with all of the speculation to be like, how dare you guys? Yeah, my clearly. husband just killed himself. Do you know what we're feeling? Oh my God, I even think about that. That's brilliant. That's right. brilliant. You would get mad. You would be like, yeah, he wasn't perfect, but he just died. So, hey. Yeah. Can you guys stop totally. swirling these rumors around? Like we're trying to bury, a, you know, our beloved husband and father. Oh, I no. even think about that. That's brilliant. That's true. What's crazy too, and um, I'll let you guys explain how they went through like the searching of his house eventually. Um, but I'll give a little spoiler alert. Days, days after Rebecca goes missing, I believe this photo posted to Bree's air conditioning yes. Facebook page is Joe Coker's backyard. It's a sun. It's like a sunset, and it's like the body of water oh, behind yeah. there. Water so what happened with the search? Do you guys want to explain that part? Search of that? They up a lot. They ended up draining the little um, waterway that was behind his house looking for anything. They didn't find anything there. I mean, from what I read, they didn't They didn't find anything. So Regarding, like, Rebecca. Like, no. It's almost like she just, poof, vanished into thin air. But they had a three-week lead time, I guess, because they never looked at his house for... They never looked at any... Yeah, because they were looking at Will. And one of the um, law enforcement, I don't know his exact position, but um, either um, Rachel, Rebecca's aunt, or her mom, Sarah, states that the investigators were... Or somebody in law enforcement was telling the investigators, quit looking at Will. Like, you Mm -hmm. need to look at Joe. Listen to the mom. They knew, you know what I mean? Like they knew Rebecca. And like you said earlier, like they, they're so forthcoming with Rebecca's lifestyle mm-hmm. and the fact that she wasn't perfect and the fact that she, you know, she made all of, she made her choices. She mm-hmm. chose to live the life that she lived, you know, for whatever reason. But um, yeah, they just, they lost so much time looking at Will. And and I think that the cops knew a little more than they let the public because the, her investigation was switched from the missing persons to the homicide shortly before Joe had died. Mm-hmm. So they had enough to, trans, you know, make it a homicide, not that. And then they bring so Joe it was down. So it was before he died? It was right before Joe was released after his little interrogation. And then he drove well, up to Arrowhead and shot himself. Yeah. So they might... I think, you know, you're right, Seth, when you say that, like, it just takes that little, little piece. Obviously, now we don't have Joe. Mm-hmm. Did he really kill himself? I mean, there's yeah. been a lot of rumors swirling around as to what really happened. <laughs> well, I'm going to read to you guys what I, I, I transcribed what um, her mom and her aunt, uh, I actually think it's her aunt. That It was very confusing on the podcast, which one was they talking. Sound so much they alike. sound so similar, and I'm like, I don't know which one's talking right now. Yeah. No, it's her aunt. Okay, so I'm going to read what her aunt says in not so many words on the podcast regarding what they think happened. So she says, quote, uh, she wanted to get out of the whole thing. And this isn't like a direct quote. I kind of paraphrase a lot of it, but she wanted to get out of the whole thing, like with Joe. And she had contacted an attorney in Beverly Hills regarding the uh, palimony, the, like the mistress cut of the estate thing. 
And uh, they said Joe had even signed an agreement at one point with Rebecca uh, which prior they to. Retrieved. Yeah, which they retrieved. And that, yes, and they gave to the cops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but they said that Rebecca made the mistake of instead of just serving him the papers, like just telling him that she, she told him that she found out that this clause existed in the legal system. Um, and so they said that that was kind of her mistake that she, she should have just served the papers to him and not, Mm -hmm. Hey, I found this out and like done the, because it is possible. This is me just, uh, in my own thoughts, like in, in whatever way you can love someone like that, it is possible that they were in love. Like he did pay, like it's a protection thing. He did pay her bill, even though he was 70,000 years older than her and not attractive. Um, I mean, he did have a nice face. Yeah, no, but he looked like, I guess, like a nice person. Her aunt and her mom even say that in the podcast. Like, he had like a kind face, but whatever. He had really bad, like, um, uh, flock of seagulls hair thing going. Yeah, it's flock of seagulls. That's exactly what it looks like. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but uh, but I believe it's possible she she probably like you it's almost like Stockholm syndrome. You love someone at a certain point like that. Like, you know, so she wanted to tell him. So anyway, so in the podcast, then her aunt Rachel says uh, that she believes what happened that day that Rebecca disappeared. She says that Rebecca went over there uh, and this whole thing was going on about the car too. Her car had broken down and he was supposed to lease her one, whatever. And she said that she's sure that Joe was probably feeling a lot of pressure about the palimony suit. And she thinks that somebody showed up there whether it was one of the other women that he was seeing, because once this all happened with Rebecca, another, I think, sex worker or just another woman came forward to Rebecca's family and mm-hmm. told her story that corroborated everything Rebecca had already said. Like, yeah, he always said his wife was dying of cancer. His wife never had cancer. Um, but so, uh, so it was whether it was one of the other women or maybe it was Kathy that showed up unannounced from her being out of town. Um, I want to know more about that. How did they confirm and where was she? You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Like maybe it was kind of like a setup in a way, you know, that's, it does. It, once we've started talking on this podcast, like I've kind of felt like you guys have said things that have made me think like, Oh yeah, I guess that was a weird time. And Oh yeah, I guess that was really specific. Like, was there sort of some, Okay, but li- listen to what her aunt says. So she says, um, someone maybe showed up, another woman or his wife, um, or maybe even his son, Joe Jr., mm-hmm. who had confronted Rebecca before. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that in a second. So, so they think that, and, and Rebecca, they said, is not the type of person that would just back down from confrontation. Like, she's going to fight back if, you know. So the aunt says that she does not believe that Joe pre-planned to kill her. But she does believe that, uh, oh, well, she says, she says that no one would be stupid enough to do it in their own home. Like, they've been on so many vacations together, like hunting in the middle of nowhere. But she believes there was some sort of confrontation that resulted, like, in an accidental death. Like, maybe she was knocked down or hit in the head. And however it played out, she believes that the police know a lot more than they're saying. And, Yeah. Her, her mom stated that we had heard that the son, Joe Jr., had caught Joe and Rebecca together and that mm-hmm. Joe Jr. had threatened 
Rebecca. She doesn't know how many times because Rebecca didn't tell her directly, but she had been threatened. And this is where she says that she knew something really bad was about ready to happen, which is very eerie. Super eerie. Yeah. So, I mean, the son knew about it. You know, the wife knew about it. It's a whole family business. I mean, they all have a stake in this game, of course. There was a lot of money at stake for each of them. That's mm-hmm. my and theory. I want to know what his life insurance policy was, where they're like, bye, Joe, before any of this goes any further. Because think about it. Mm-hmm. like, No, but you wouldn't get life insurance for a suicide, though. They had Sometimes more- you do. They would, really? I think so. See, I would think that would point to, they have so much more to cover up in terms of, they don't care that it gets ruled as, they don't need that life insurance money because he's got so much more in the business and whatever. Because I wonder what would have happened if, if, I wonder what would have happened if like he got arrested and was put in jail. Like would all of his money get like held up? You know I what know. I mean? I don't know. Would it all go to like attorneys? So they were like, we're not even going to deal with this shit. Well, I, yeah. I think the wife and the son were like, you know what? This girl's getting too close. She's got to go. And they took care of it. And then I think, you know, either whether Joe killed himself or not, the wife's like, I've got had enough of your damn shit. You got to go too. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take all your money. Yeah. Now, didn't we see that the um, his company closed down, right? I didn't see that. No. The heating and air? I thought that it closed I don't think down. so. I don't think so. Maybe, but I don't think so. Oh, that would be interesting. No, they're open. Oh, no, they're still open. Yeah, I think they are. Yeah. No, I think they're just literally, his company's literally pretending like it did not happen. The and wife's running it all now. 100%. Oh, she, was, she was like in finance in the company. She's been there. Oh, yeah. Some sort of, yeah. She, she took over. Joe's out of the way. She took it over. Okay, so let's sum up. Like, what is our final theory? What do you guys think happened exactly? Okay, so I'm Marie. This is my personal opinion on what I think happened surrounding Rebecca's case. This is not factual. This is not proven. This is just my personal opinion. So I'm Marina, and this is my personal opinion. It is not based on facts. It's based on what I have gathered from the internet and what I, how I process and perceive this story. I personally think that she wanted her cut. Rebecca wanted her cut. And the wife's like, you know what? I've been putting up with Joe's bullshit for long enough. And now this girl's trying to come in and she's trying to take a cut of my money. I've had to put up with him for all these years. I'm married to him. And you're not going to get anything. I'm not going to share anything with you. Absolutely not. So I think that she showed up there on a night that she, I think it was Kathy. I honestly do. I think it was Kathy and the son too. Because the son's like, oh, this girl's going to start tapping into my little inheritance. No way, Jose. I think they had had enough. If she was out of town or not out of town, that would add a little more, you know, suspicion to it or whatever. But yeah, I think they were there. I think they were laying in wait. I think Rebecca should have never gone to his house that night. I think they took care of it. And either Joe, I can't, I haven't quite figured out if Joe really did kill himself or if Kathy drove up to Lake Arrowhead and was like, okay, you know what? You've got to go too. Sorry. And now they're living their lavish life, traveling on Joe's dime. But no, I think that's what it is. I think it was the jealous wife. I put up with enough of your bullshit, but now you're a jealous, a jealous, yeah, a jealous, jealous wife. A fed up aunt. Yeah, no, I think a fed up wife. I think 
And now she's mm-hmm. trying, you know, Rebecca wants her cut and the wife's like, no, you're not getting shit from mm-hmm. me. It's my money. Yeah. So I believe it's, what what I think. go ahead, go ahead. So this house, both of the houses, especially the one near you though, you know that they had a security system, cameras and whatnot. 100%. So, okay. Where's the footage? Who has access to that footage? Rebecca's there at 2.30. What time does her truck leave? Uh, later on. I want to know who came through those gates between the time Rebecca arrived and the truck leaves. I believe it was two men. I think that they say that somewhere. It was two. Did you say it was two men? Kathy's out of town. Perfect. I want to say it was two men, but I, I agree that I think, I don't necessarily think it was just that only Kathy was fed up. I think Kathy's fed up. Like she's put up with his bullshit, like you said, for forever. But I think that whole family has been living off of Joe's dime for a long time to the point where when they put up uh, memorial signs for Rebecca, they've been stolen four or five times. times. And Joe Coker's son-in-law admitted to being the one that took the signs down because it upset Kathy. Listen, I'm, not, I'm not saying that Kathy hasn't had a, a rough go at this because she married Joe. It's that it sucks, whatever. But like, I think this whole family is like, this is our this is our our money ticket. Like, we we got to protect this whole thing. Like, exactly, Joe can't handle himself. He really likes young women. Let's just let's just handle all of this so we can all have money so we don't actually have to go get real jobs. Maybe it was the whole family. Maybe it was a family affair. I, th- I, feel, like, I feel like it kind of has to be. Like, it has to be because why would law enforcement classify his death within that criminal investigation as well? If it was a suicide, it's going to be clear as day. Well, not necessarily, but they're not sticking to that suicide theory anymore, it doesn't seem, because he's now part of the criminal investigation. His death yeah. is. Yeah. I think she was set up. The family. Oh, somehow. I think so too. I think so too. Somehow. So the update that the family did release is that originally they had stated, quote, that Joe had died from an apparent suicide. His death is now actively a part of a criminal investigation. It is now unclear if Joe's death was a murder or a suicide. Probably. I think that's a perfect way to. I think that's a perfect way to close this out. Well, thank you guys. Uh, okay, so let's hang out when I come up to Temecula at some point. Yes! We really just fun. went to an amazing winery and hung out at a beautiful pool that we had no idea existed. Really? We have to do it. Oh my God. Uh, I, really it was- I would love that.